This sermon is titled The Christ of Christmas. Be enriched as you listen. This Christmas season, we take time to reflect, to think about the coming of Christ and the person of Christ. Who is Jesus? And this morning, I want to take the next few minutes just to get us to think about the Christ of Christmas. The Christ of Christmas. And I just want to present to us certain things about Jesus for us to consider this morning. The Christ of Christmas. Now, the historicity, the, the fact that Jesus Christ was a genuine historical figure has been proven undoubtedly. Scholars point us to at least 19 historical sources that tell us that Jesus Christ was a real historical figure. He lived in there uh, in, in the day and time, as we understand. So he was not just a myth, not just a fable, not just a story, not just the figment of somebody's imagination. There are Roman historians, there are Jewish historians who have recorded or made reference to Christ, his death on the cross, the life of his early disciples. We also have biblical accounts, the four gospels, as well as the early church, the writings of the early church, notably that of the apostle Paul, all who speak about Christ. And then there is also archaeological evidence, which is things that we find in as spoken of by the Gospels that validate the things written in the Gospels are actually true. So putting all of this together, today there is no question that Jesus Christ indeed lived physically. But when you think about this, his life, his ministry, the time that he spent preaching was very short. He just spent three and a half years preaching, or telling people about his message. Just three and a half years. He was born in a very humble family. He was not born in royalty. He had no army, no kingdom. And he did nothing to ensure that whatever he was teaching actually continued. He didn't form an organization. He didn't write a book. He didn't buy a land. He didn't build a building. He did none of those things. All he had was 12 apostles, and one of them betrayed him. So that came down to 11. That was all. So when you think about it, this man Jesus, born in a very insignificant town somewhere in the Middle East, really should have just disappeared into oblivion in history. Because he never did anything that would ensure longevity of whatever he was preaching and doing and teaching. He never did anything of that. None of those things. He never even traveled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. That was it. Yet when you and I look back on the last 2,000 years, the Bible 
and Jesus Christ and the impact of Christianity around the world is undeniable and it continues on even today. We think about how he has influenced the Bible, the teachings of the Bible, the teachings of Jesus has influenced religious belief and understanding. How he pointed us to one God. There is one God. The Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. How he taught us about love that has touched every aspect of human existence. The teachings of Christ also has affected, has had a profound impact on social and cultural issues, education, literacy, schools, colleges have been formed, inspired because of Jesus and the teachings of the Bible. In the science, in science and research, in in the scientific revolution of the 16th to 18th centuries, many of the pioneers of science as we know it today were people who had great faith, were people who believed in Jesus. And we can put together a list of people, whether it was Copernicus or Johannes Kepler or um, Galileo or uh, the, uh, Pascal or... Isaac Newton or Robert Boyle, all of these scientists, the pioneering scientists who gave us our laws, our basic understanding of physics, of chemistry, astronomy, they were people who believed in Jesus. And they saw their research as an expression of their faith in God who created things in order, put things in order, and they were, we were just discovering what God had created. We can see Christ's influence and the influence of the teachings of the Bible even in social reform, things that were uh, in, in art, in architecture, in charity, in social welfare, even, uh, even in the realm of politics and law, where constitutions and laws were shaped and formed and influenced by the teachings of the Bible. In human rights and social movements and social reform, we can see the influence of the Bible and the teachings of Christ. So the question is, who is Jesus? Was he just a great historical figure? And we understand that he should have disappeared. And yet today, he still has so much of influence. He just ministered three years, three and a half years. He never did anything significant to leave or ensure that he, what he taught would continue. And yet, there is, it's undeniable the influence he has, has had and continues to have. So who is this Jesus? And why would he have, have, would he have so much of an impact and an influence if his life itself was so insignificant? Why would he have such influence? And so I want to point us today to two things. Very quickly. What did Jesus Christ claim for himself? 
What are Christ's claims for himself? What did he claim? And second, what does the Bible tell us about who Jesus is? I want us to think about that. So what did Christ claim for himself? What did he claim? There are, number first of all, there are the I am claims of Christ. So imagine in this short period of three and a half years as Jesus is preaching, this is what he tells people. He said, I am the light of the world. He said things like, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the good shepherd. He said, I am the door. Now, these claims are important. Because he's not saying, look, I am just one among many. He says, I am this. I am the light of the world. That's a big claim. I am the light of the world. I am the door. You've got to enter through me. I am the good shepherd. I'll take care of you. I am the bread of life. I'm the one who meets your needs. Be claim. And not only that, he then went on to claim that he was the only way to the Father. This is what Jesus said. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now that's a big claim. He's saying, I'm the way, the truth, the life. You cannot get to God except through me. Oh, Jesus. That was his claim. He didn't say, I'm one of the ways. He didn't say, I'm one of the sources of truth. He didn't say, I'm one of the sources of life. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. You can't get to the Father except through me. He didn't stop there. He claimed pre-existence. He was speaking to the Jews. They knew who Abraham was because Abraham was their patriarch. The the, you call it the founding father of their entire race. And then he looks at them and he says, Before Abraham was, I am. They get so angry. They're ready to stone him. How dare you make such a claim? Before Abraham was. I mean, they say like, you're not even 50 years old. And you're saying you were there before Abraham. And not only that. He says, I am. He used the name of God for himself. Before Abraham was, I am. And during his prayer, and his disciples are listening, he's praying to the Father, and he says, Father, glorify me with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Oh, Jesus, what are you praying? You're saying you are with the Father even before creation. He claimed pre-existence. And then he took it a step further. Jesus Christ didn't just claim pre-existence. He claimed he was God. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. And the Jews were ready to take up stones and stone him. And he asked them, why are you going to stone me? They said, because you, being a man, 
have made yourself equal with God. So they understood what this statement meant when he said, I and the Father are one. I'm one with God. He claimed equality. He claimed to be one with the Father. What else did Jesus Christ claim? He claimed power over death. Jesus said, as the Father has life in himself, I have life in myself. I have the power to lay my life down and I have the power to take it up. How many of us sitting here could say something like that? Probably say, when I die, please attend my funeral. And here is Jesus saying, I have the power to lay my life and I have the power to raise it up. He claimed power over death. And then he said, I am the resurrection and the life. That means, hey, I'm the one who's going to raise myself up, not just me, everyone else. I am the resurrection. I am the life. He claimed to be alive. He showed himself alive. So after his crucifixion, he was buried. Three days later, he rose up. And the Bible says, for 40 days, he showed himself alive for, to 500 witnesses. To his own disciples who at that time were unbelieving. He comes to them and he says, here I am. He tells John, he tells Thomas, Thomas, touch me, see, feel. Don't be faithless but believing. About 15 years later, he appears to a chief persecutor, a man who was against Christians. He, he appears to him and Saul cries out. He says, and he has a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you kicking against the goats? And Saul cries out, says, who are you, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus. 60 years after his resurrection, he appears to John. And he says, John, I am the one who died. I'm alive and I'm living forevermore. So what did Christ claim for himself? He claimed to be alive after his death. And the last claim that I want to point us to is this. During his earthly life, Jesus said, I'm coming back again. He said, in my father's house are many mansions. I'm going to prepare a place. And if I go and prepare a place, I will come again and I'll receive you to myself. You will see the son of man coming with great glory and power. And he claimed that he's going to come back. He's going to establish a kingdom. He's going to rule and reign on the earth. Now think about the claims of Christ. Do we know anyone else who's made such claims? Who's made such claims? The claims of Christ for himself are so distinctive, are so unique to this one, Jesus Christ. For someone to claim pre-existence, for someone to claim equality with God, for someone to claim that he had power over death, for someone to claim that he would rise up from the dead, for someone to claim that I have risen from the dead, and for someone to say I'm coming back again. Do you know of anyone else? 
So, either Jesus was a man who had completely lost his mind. And so just speaking all these strange things. Or you and I must take his claims seriously. There is no middle ground. Either he was completely off his minds, or his claims are authentic, and we've got to believe it. Now, let me point us to the claims, what the Bible tells us about who this Christ is. What does the Bible say? Sure, these are the claims that Jesus made for himself. Fine. But what are the claims of the Bible? Because both the Old Testament and the New Testament are speaking about this one person. And it's this one person that you and I believe in. And it's this one person that you and I are telling others about. What does the Bible say about Jesus Christ? This Christ of Christmas. The Bible presents Jesus Christ as deity. It tells us this is the mighty God. We sang it earlier. He is the mighty God. This Jesus is the mighty God. He is Emmanuel, God with us. The Bible presents Jesus as absolutely unique. The Bible tells us there is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. There's one mediator, and it's Jesus. The Bible says there is salvation in no other, because there is no other name given under heaven among men by which we can be saved. The Bible is very clear, it's very explicit. That Jesus Christ is unique. The Bible presents Jesus as the incarnate God. That means God who came once to the earth. He is God. And this God became man and dwelt among us. He came to accomplish one purpose, and he did it in one attempt, because he's God. He didn't need a retry. One time, he did it. So God came once in the person of Christ to be our Savior. The Bible presents Jesus. It records his sinless life, teaching, and ministry. So if you and I want to understand Jesus, the Bible says he lived a sinless life. No flaw. No sin. And this is what he taught, and this is what he did. It's recorded for us in the Bible. The Bible presents Christ's death as substitutionary. That means when Jesus died, it wasn't all oh, so sad he died. No. When Jesus died, the Bible says this is the best thing that ever happened. Because on that cross, he paid for your sin and mine. He became a substitute. He suffered on your behalf and mine. 
The Bible says when he died, he conquered the one who controlled our lives. He conquered Satan. The Bible says when Jesus died, he broke the power of sin. The Bible says when Jesus died, he became a curse so that the blessing of God could be released. The Bible says that when Jesus died, he opened up a new and living way for us to come to God. So this was the best thing that could happen. How many of us could have it said that when we die, that's the best thing that happened? For the entire human, human race. That's what the Bible says. That he became the payment for our sins. Not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. That when he shed his blood, that blood cleanses us from all sin. His death was so purposeful. His death was so intentional. His death was the objective of God from the foundation of the world. That's the reason why he came. To die on the cross. And he was buried. And then the Bible tells us. The Bible presents Christ's resurrection and ascension. The Bible tells us this Jesus who died, he rose up again. And it gives us all the details. You can go and examine it. You can question it. You can check it out. You can cross-examine it and see that indeed this Jesus rose up from the dead. His resurrection is not a hoax. His resurrection is not a make-up story. Because if the disciples really wanted to make up a story, they would have come up with something totally different. They would have said something like, hey, we took his body far away. And over there he rose up and he went to heaven. Nobody could examine it. But they didn't do that. His body was right there in the city of Jerusalem. They said, hey, we buried him right here. And the tomb is empty. No games were played. Right here. You were there. The Roman soldiers were there. There was a Roman seal put upon the tomb. Right there, he was buried. Everybody could go see it. And the Bible says, this Jesus rose up from the dead. And the Bible presents Jesus. Presents salvation as a free gift. For all people. Through simple personal faith in Jesus Christ what the Bible says. The story of the Bible ultimately is a story for you. It's a story to you saying, Jesus died for your sins so that you could be forgiven and you could be brought into a relationship with God. And the good news is salvation is being offered by God as a free gift to every person. To anyone who believes, who has faith, who chooses to put their faith in this Jesus. That's the message of the Bible. The Bible presents Christ as Savior 
him offering the gift of salvation freely to everyone and anyone who believes. You can't earn it because it's beyond our reach. You can't pay for it because it's too expensive. But he paid for it. He purchased it. And he's giving it to you and me as a free gift. Lastly, the Bible presents Christ's power to transform life, heal, and deliver today. The Bible says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Can you think of it? If I died, maybe five days after I die, people may not remember my name. Here the Bible says, you call on the name of Jesus and you will be saved. The Bible says, in his name, you can become a new creation. Not just learn how to live a new life or live life in a new way. You become a new person on the inside. The Bible says, in his name, demons tremble. Demons are cast out. If he was a dead man, would demons even worry about it? But today devils run in the name of Jesus. In his name sicknesses and diseases are healed. In his name bondages and addictions are broken. In his name fear and torment and oppression. Anxieties are broken. In his name. Can the name of a dead man do such things? So, who is this Christ of Christmas? I want to challenge us today to consider the claims of Christ and to consider what the Bible claims about Jesus. That the Christ of Christmas is more than a historical figure. The Christ of Christmas is more than somebody who accidentally influenced the history of mankind. The Christ of Christmas is who he really claimed to be. And the Christ of Christmas is who the Bible says he really is. He is God who became a man, who lived on the earth, who came to be your Savior and my Savior. So that we could be brought to God, so our sins can be forgiven and we could be made children of God. That's the Christ of Christmas. Worship team, please come. So that brings us to this question. What would you say about the Christ of Christmas? What are you going to do about the Christ of Christmas? Are you going to say, well, I'll remember him once a year, sometime around 25th of December. I will leave him as a great important figure of history. I will leave him as somebody who's, you know, influenced nations and governments and everything else that we spoke about. Or are you going to take his claims seriously? And are you going to choose to put your faith in Jesus Christ? Because we have a choice.
We can say, well, I'll just leave him as a historical figure. Or we can say, I believe he is God who came to bring me into the family of God. Who came to give me new life. Who came to save my soul. Because that's what he claims. Jesus made this statement. He said, enter at the narrow gate. Take the narrow gate. Because he said, you know, wide is the gate. Easy is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who take that. That's the popular one. The white gate, the easy way, is where many people go. It's the popular one. So don't take the popular gates, the popular path. He said, narrow is the gate. Difficult is the path that leads to life. And there are few that choose that, few that go there. But he said, take that gate. Take the narrow gate. In other words, don't look around you. Don't take the popular choice. You make your choice. Even if it means you've got to walk alone. And if you've got to take the narrow gate. And you've got to walk the narrow path. And in following Jesus, it may not be the easiest thing to do. It may not be the popular thing to do. It may, be not, may not be the convenient thing to do. But Jesus said, you've got to do it. You've got to take the path less traveled. In a few moments from now, I'm going to give us an invitation. There may be people here today who have never believed in Jesus Christ. Maybe people watching online. Maybe you've never made a decision to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not as a historical figure. You see, I already believe that, of course. You already believe as a historical figure. But in Jesus, for who he claimed to be, to be our Savior, to be our Lord, to be the one who makes us children of God. I'm going to give an invitation. I'm going to lead us in a simple prayer. And that time you can make your decision to believe in Jesus Christ. Let's rise to our feet, please. We're going to sing a song. And you look to Jesus because he is alive. We're not talking about a person who died, who's relegated to history. We're talking about somebody who rose up from the dead, who's alive today, who is seated and crowned in glory, who's present here, who has the power to heal, who has the power to deliver, who has the power to set us free, who has the power to change our very lives. We're talking about Jesus Christ. And he's for everybody. He's for everyone here. Those of you watching online, Jesus Christ is for you. As we take a few moments to sing, during the song, you can pray and say, Lord, 
touch my life touch my life today of the glory and the honor as we lift our hands and worship as we lift your holy name you deserve the glory Jesus gave us an invitation. He said, come to me. Come to me. All who are burdened, all who are heavy laden, I will give you rest. It's an invitation to all. He said, come to me, all of you who are thirsty. I'll give you a drink. 
is his invitation is for every person the Bible says that to all who believed in him to all who received him to them he gives the power to become the children of God what a powerful blessing to all who received him to all who believe in him he gives the power to become children of God. He brings us into the family of God. But we got to make a choice. Got to make a decision. I'm going to believe. I'm going to receive Jesus into my life. And if you feel that in your heart, there could be people standing here watching online. Maybe you've never made that decision. It's a personal decision. Nobody can make it for you. Nobody can force you to do it. But if there are people in this auditorium, the people watching online, you feel prompted in your heart that today you want to make a decision to believe in Jesus, to receive Jesus into your life. Then I want to lead us in a simple prayer. And if you've never prayed this prayer before, I want you to pray this with me if you would like to do that. You can say this with me Lord Jesus I believe in you I believe you died for my sins that you were buried that you rose up again I ask you to come into my life forgive my sins and help me follow you and you alone the rest of my life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you prayed this prayer with me for the very first time, we want to celebrate with you. And again, it's not to embarrass you. We want to celebrate with you and we also want to make sure you get a bag. We have a bag it's called a new believers bag it has some free resources some books in it that you can take with you and read and uh, as you grow in your journey of faith I want to make sure we give that to you so if you pray this prayer with me for the first time today if you don't mind you could just raise your hand wherever you are and our ushers will come to you and uh, give this to you is anyone here you pray this prayer with me for the very first time just wave your hand at me um, I see several hands there. Just keep your hand up. God bless you. Let's clap. Let's clap. Well, I see another hand here. Just wave your hand. Just wave your hand. We don't want to miss anybody. Uh, there's another hand right here. There's another hand right here. Praise God. Just, just wave your hand. Make, make sure that you get this back. If you pray this prayer with me for the very first time, please just raise your hand. Wave your hand so we make sure that our ushers come to you. Give this to you. Give this back. Anyone else? You pray this prayer with me for the very first time to receive Jesus into your life, to believe in Him. Uh, just raise your hand, make sure that ushers give this to you. And along with this bag is a card where you can write your name and number and give it back to the ushers. Okay? The ushers will collect that name and number so that somebody from the church office can call you and give you some instructions on how to use what's inside the bag. Okay? Uh, we may not have time to do that right now. So just write your name and number, give it to them. They'll call you and they'll give you some guidance on how to use 
those books, those free books that are inside the bag. So once again, one last time, if you pray this prayer with me, just raise your hand and make sure you receive the new, this bag here. Everyone has got it. Just want to, okay, there's another hand there. If you've not received the bag, just please, just make sure you get it. It's free and just take it with you. It's got some free books, a New Testament insight so you can read and uh, learn more about Jesus. Learn how you can grow in your faith. Uh, make sure, please, write your name and number. Give it back to the ushers uh, so that somebody from the office can call you, tell you how to use the resources that are there. All right. Before we close, a few instructions. Next weekend is Christmas weekend. 24th is a Sunday. So we're going to have services at all our locations, all the regular time. So there'll be two services happening here, 8 o'clock, 10.30. All our other locations will have the services as regular on 24th. 25th is Christmas. So we have one service for Christmas Day. 25th, Monday, there'll be only one service right here at 10.30. Is that okay? Right, so please, on 25th, don't go to the other locations. Nobody will be there. Right? So 25th, just one service right here, and it's only at 10.30. 24th is everything regular. 8 o'clock, 10.30, all locations, including here, 8 o'clock and 10.30. Is that okay? All right? So please uh, keep that in mind. And then after we dismiss, uh, lunch will be served right outside. There are, outside, there are two non-witch counters. Inside, in the foyer, there will be a vegetarian counter. So you can go, get your food, you can sit anywhere you want, inside the auditorium, outside, wherever you feel like. Just, just get to meet people, spend some time with people, talk to people. Is that okay? So, there are two counters outside, one inside for vegetarian. Get your food, spend time with people, just have a good time. Let's close, please. Thank you. Father, we thank you for this Sunday where we could think about Jesus and who he is and all he means to us. And Lord, I speak your blessing on your people. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the sweet fellowship of his Holy Spirit be with each of us always. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We trust this message was a blessing to you. For more free resources, including sermons, sermon notes, and books, please visit apcwo.org. For information on APC Bible College in Bangalore, visit apcbiblecollege.org. Do remember to download the All People's Church Bangalore app from the Apple or Google Play Store.